Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode was a very special bonus episode for you. It's coming to you on Halloween, and it's a Netflix original film released just in time for 2022. It's the stop-motion horror comedy, Wendell and Wild. It's directed by Henry Selick, and it stars the voices of Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Angela Bassett, Lyric Ross, and Ving Rhames. I'm Jesse, and I'm writing here solo to bring this very special episode to you. Going to give you the heads up. I'm going to spoil this film. So if uh, you haven't seen this film, you're interested in checking it out, give us a pause and come back a little bit later on because we're going to talk about it. And we start our show with the fast flicks where we do a quick little summary of what the film is all about. So this one is about a girl who makes a deal with demons to bring her parents back to life. So stop motion, animated film, I guess you could sort of classify it as a family kind of film. It, it's from the director, Henry Salick, who most of you would know, you know, no, no introduction needed for The Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach, and Coraline. So in that same sort of style, this one's probably a little bit more dark and a little bit more adult um, catered, I guess. So I think it's got a, a higher rating across the world compared to the other films. So a little bit of language, a little bit of gore, a little bit more um, supernatural sort of elements. So maybe uh, watch it. If, you, if you've got kids, you're thinking of watching it with them, maybe watch it before um, showing it to them just to, to give yourself, a, work out whether it's comfortable for your kids or not. So let, let's talk about this film and how it ended up on Netflix, I guess. And I think you've got to start off. This, this is based on an original idea that Salik came up with, um, and then it was adapted into a screenplay alongside one of the producers on the film, Jordan Peele. So Jordan Peele and Salik sat down together, wrote this film, and, and Jordan Peele, uh, alongside Keegan-Michael Key, who you'd know from uh, Key and Peele, they, they voiced these two um, <laughs> these two demons in this, this film. So it was uh, announced in November of 2015 that that Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele were on board. Um, and Netflix picked it up on the 14th of March, 2018. So over four years ago before it actually was released. So this has been in the work for a long time. And I guess if you know anything about stop motion, it, it's a very time-consuming uh, thing to do. So obviously they needed time to get this idea right and, and get it to the screens. Um, to prepare for the voices of Wendell and Wilde, Key and Peele, they watched a lot of Abbott and Costello comedies, which is uh, quite interesting. And, and the actual character design or the, the animated clay figures of these two characters actually resemble um, the actual physical attributes of, of Key and Peele, which is quite interesting too. So you, you might recognize them when you watch this film. Um, obviously, the four years from 2018, we've had a, a lot of lockdowns and a lot of disruptions due to the pandemic. So a lot of uh, remote production happened with this. And it was actually done in uh, Portland, a studio in Portland in Oregon. They had wildfires around that area too. So they've had to sort of go through a lot of a lot of issues in the production of this film. Post credit scenes There's a cool little, um, this is a spoiler, I guess, but if you hang around until right at the end of the credits, there's this cool little um, sort of mini shot where one of the animators has got their phone and sort of... Uh, working in the middle of the night and the camera sort of cuts to to one of the characters cat coming to life and you know it's a cool little thing to see at the end of the credits too if you hang around to watch that a little context behind this one too i guess so salik as i mentioned before did Coraline, and ah uh, well since Coraline came out i think for 20 not, uh, 2009 so about 13 years ago henry salik he sort of felt that stop motion animation sort of become too smooth um and it become indistinguishable from computer animation 
defeating the purpose of what stop motion is. So he decided for this film to allow for flaws such as keeping the scene lines on replacement faces, making sure they're visible and shooting fewer frames per second in some scenes to, to create that movement look. So I, I, apart from, I think it's a software program called Dragon Frame, um, Henry Selick used more or less the same tools and approach and techniques that he used for Coraline, um, you know, over 10 years ago. So quite impressive that he obviously loves this form of animation and wanted to stay true to its roots and, and ensure that it actually looked like it was stop motion rather than a lot of the computer generated imagery that we see today. Translations across the world. Um, so obviously it's called Wendell and Wild after these two demons in, the, in this film. In Egypt and the United Arab Emirates, it's called Vandal Said. Now, I can't work out for the life of me what that means, um, but that's what the title is. The Chinese title, I think, is is a little bit better. It's called Demon Brothers, so it gives a little bit of context about it, but we might discuss a little bit later the, the title of this film because I'm not 100% sold on it because the, the two uh, demons in this film, they're not necessarily the main characters or the main protagonist in this film, and we'll talk about that later. Um, this was released at the Toronto International Film Festival on the 11th of September, 2022. It did have a small theatrical release before it hit Netflix on the 28th of October, 2022, just in time for Halloween. So perfect timing uh, from the producers to get this out in time for the spooky season. What are the critics and audiences saying on this film so far? It's very early days, but Rotten Tomatoes, it sits on 80% on 81 reviews. That is certified fresh. So very positive from the critics. Audiences have a tiny little bit lower at 76%, and that's on more than 100 reviews. IMDb, the audiences have it at a 6.7 out of 10 on a bit over 1,700 reviews, so not many yet, expecting those numbers to go up in the coming days. And then our film lovers platform, Letterboxd, it sits at a 3.6 out of 5 on 14,500 ratings, so very high uh, from Letterboxd as well. So generally, we'd say this film's pretty well, or been pretty well received leading to my early thoughts. What do I actually think of this one? Um, I think this is this is visually stunning. Uh, it's a very high energy film. There's so much to see and it feels like it races by. Um, if you're a fan of Salek's previous work, then I think you must add this to this watch list, to add this to your watch list and give it a crack because I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. All right, let's talk about some characters in this one. So our main protagonist in this one, Kat, um, this is a girl who's dealing with the thought in the back of her mind of her being the reason for her parents' death um, sort of leads to her turning a little bit emo, I guess, and ends up in a boarding school and sort of feels bitter towards anyone who tries to interact with her. She makes a deal with the demons to bring her parents back to life, but the, the crux of this story is her story, um, not necessarily for Wendell and Wilde. The story is about her and overcoming the pain and the suffering and the guilt that she feels for her parents' death and, and transforming it and adapting and growing with life. So that's where the gist of this film sort of lies. And apart from Kat, the rest of the characters, they're not all massively uh, well stretched out, but they've got little bits and pieces. So I spoke about Wendell and Wilde before. Um, these are those two demons that they're working for this guy called Buffalo Belzer, who's sort of like the the leader of, um, or the ruler of the underworld. And the funny thing, they, they, they they're sort of stuck with him using um, this cream to plant hair for him. So the funny thing with these guys is that they decide to take some of this cream and sort of uh, get a little bit high from it too. So a nice little adult reference in there for those characters. Uh, there's a, a nun that uh, is at the school that Kat's at, Sister Hallie. Uh, she sort of slowly revealed that she's got the same powers and may have been through the same sort of situation that Kat has as well. So she's a nice little person for Kat to turn to at certain times. 
Father Bests, he's sort of the head of his boarding school, um, and he's sort of dealing with another of these themes in this film with um, the pressure of not having enough funding um, for this school to run and the idea in the background of a real estate buyout and, and how money possibly uh, rules this world a little bit too, but I found him quite a humorous character. <laughs> um, then we've got Rawl, who's cat uh, sort of the only kid at the school that sort of associates with Cat a bit. He's a bit of a misfit himself, so sides with her, I guess. Um, and it's good to see that his mum is on the side of trying to find the truth and work out um, what needs to be investigated with the death of Cat's parents and the burning down of a brewery and the, and the demise of this town. So in the background, his mum's sort of working along those lines too. Um, Manberg, I guess I should mention, he's, um, <laughs> he's this creepy janitor. Uh, no real context as to why he comes across as so creepy, but he sort of works in the school and sort of has a bit of an inkling and works a bit with Sister Hallie to collect demons, and he sort of wants to train Cat and be involved in that too. So a variety of uh, side characters there to talk about, and that'll lead me into the scene. So what are some scenes in this that, that I enjoyed? Um, so I, I really like the idea that a brewery is the heart of this town. Like, get on the beers, just the idea that um, a brewery is, is where Kat's parents uh, worked and, and made their, their living. I thought that was cool. Um, I think the, the introduction to the underworld with all the rides and there's this moment where, you know, they've got roller coasters and all those things happening and there's a, a teacup ride, which if you've been to any of the, the Disney parks across the world, you'd, you'd know of the teacup rides and they sort of have burning, boiling water pouring into the teacups, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, I mentioned before, Wendell and, and Wilde eating the cream to sort of uh, give themselves a little bit of a high. I thought that, that was quite funny. And then the same too, when Wendell and Wilde sort of make their trek from hell up to the living world, uh, it was almost like this, you know, worm going up through the ground and they were slowly getting cut off by different pathways. I thought that was that was funny and, and cleverly done. Um, Father Father Bests, he, he's murdered, I guess, in this. And there's a moment where um, Wendell and Wilde dig up his body to try and revive him. And just the sight of his body made me laugh. And then there's the full vomiting effect where he vomits all over them, which I thought was quite funny too. Um, last thing, I guess, is uh, another moment with digging up coffins that Wendell and Wilde are going around to dig up all the town's um, bodies. And there's sort of this song playing. And it was just so well done. It was so visually entertaining. And it sort of made me want to get the soundtrack and work out how I can get a copy of that because the music in this is, is quite excellent. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the music throughout this one. There's nothing in this that I didn't like. So let's, let's talk about the themes and the ideas in this one. And I think that through this film that they try to touch on a lot of stuff for a, an animated film like i mentioned before not necessarily for the younger kids but it does have a you know it's written by jordan peele it's going to have some sort of commentary on what's going on in society and i think that the big one that they they put in in this one is the idea of the prison system um bang for profit you've got corporates and, and people wanting to make money and willing to murder for profit and the poor conditions that you know, if you're putting profit into these sorts of things and people are just making prisons to make money, there's no actual focus on the rehabilitation of these prisoners and getting them ready to return to the world a little bit. And this leads a little bit too to the idea of society labeling people based on their prior actions or, or where they've been in the past, especially with Kat, who's this outcast and obviously gone through a tough time with the loss of her parents. But there's that assumption that, you know, she's going to fail at this school. She's going to end up in the prison system. But, but on the other hand, you've got to have that idea that she needs to be herself. She needs to break this cycle um, and have a second chance. And she should have that second chance, just like people in the prison system too. Um, <laughs> the idea too that there are worse things on earth, like people working for profit, than demons in hell. We've got this, this, this idea that, they, you know, you should be scared of demons in hell. And Cat stands her ground throughout because there are more frightening things in the real world than, than things um, from hell too. And 
I mentioned this too, the loss of her parents, the idea of grief and trauma and shame and, and having to find yourself and, and overcoming your own demons, um, owning your memories and controlling your own narrative. These are all things that, that Kat needs to deal with too. And there's a little bit there towards the end about parents wanting the best for their kids and protecting their kids too. So some quite nice messages that were done a little bit differently, I guess, rather than just the whole parents die and we've got to get over it sort of thing. Um, what did I take away from this film? I think that if we think back to Coraline, that was, that was a pretty creepy film too. That, that's definitely scared a lot of kids. I sort of mentioned this too. This one, this one, I don't think it's really for the younger audience. It's tricky because it almost feels like it was made for a teen audience, but it's probably mostly going to appeal to those that grew up with Coraline or those that grew up with The Nightmare Before Christmas and, and trying to sort of um, jump in on on that little bit of nostalgia that, that audiences will feel for you know their childhood. And I really enjoyed those movies as a kid or they creeped me out. I might give this a shot now. And possibly that's why they've sort of aimed it at a little bit of a higher demographic than, than those previous two films. Part of the show where we check out IMDb. Did we go on IMDb to look up anyone as the movie was going? So obviously this is a, an animated film. So looking at the voices and as soon as father level bests came on screen, I was like, oh my God, that voice is so recognizable. I, I paused the paused the film to check it out. And it's James Hong, the, the guy from Chinatown, from Big Trouble in Little China and the recent film, Everything Everywhere All at Once. So such a recognizable voice. And I think that almost made me like that character even more. So, so I'm very proud, happy with that one. I'll take that one. Um, questions, have I got any ponderings about what this film's saying or what's going on? So I, I guess, you know, you've got the idea, Wendell and Wild, they're demons. Are they, are they really evil? I mean, if you think about demons and what they want, that their motivations to get out of the underworld were to make money to make this theme park. But was that theme park just for them or was that theme park for others to enjoy too? So maybe they're not necessarily that evil at all. They, they wanted other people to enjoy life and, and their sort of passion and their idea of what they wanted to build. Um, and the other thing, there's a part where Kat does this chant uh, to the gravestone to sort of bring him back alive. And I just wanted just a little bit of a thought, like why do all curses and chants still need to be in the Latin language? I mean, I feel like that effect that, you know, a lot of previous generations had to learn Latin at school. And I feel like that effect that it had on previous generations is almost gone. It's almost like, let's come up with something a little bit different. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit torn out because I get, I get the history of it and I get the idea of it. I don't know. I just feel like in a kid's movie, sorry, it's not necessarily a kid's movie, but an animated movie like this, don't know if we needed a Latin chant. Um, and that, that brings me to, to put it all together, I think. So, um, on the show, we give the film a rating out of five. So to sum this one up for me, I think, you know, as I mentioned, it's visually stunning. It's really entertaining. It's heartwarming. It's got some really nice moments. Um, and I think that this is worth a watch, even if you're not an animation fan, especially around the Halloween season. I reckon this could be one that could easily be chucked on every year around Halloween to sort of get into the vibe of the, the creepy, kooky spookiness of the season. Um, I'm giving it a three and a half out of five. So nice rating there. Um, we're on socials. We've got Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I just wanted to put out there, and I've touched on this again, what's a better title for this film? Because Wendell and Wilde, yes, they're the two demons that are at the core of this film, but this is Cat's story. This is Cat's film. So I feel like the title is a little bit lacking and they needed to come up with something a little bit different. Um, and I get, I guess you can't call it, you know, Cat's journey or anything like that, but there's gotta be something that you could come up with that, that's a lot cleverer than Wendell and Wilde. My thoughts, would love to know your thoughts. Um, thanks for listening. As always, we, we have a huge back catalogue, over 200 episodes. Please uh, have a look through the, the catalogue. There's probably a Netflix film on there that you may have seen and you might like to have a listen to. So as always, um, thanks for listening and we'll speak soon.